We've been in a series lately called Stories, where we've been looking at just, we've been looking at your stories, which has been just amazing to hear the reports of what God's done in your life, in and through you. And uh, we've also been looking at the lives and events of various people who played roles in God's plans in the scriptures. And so it's been a, I hope you've been enjoying this series. It's been fascinating to look at these lives. Some of them um, we see more about in the text and some of them we see little about. And so we've been in this series called Stories and today we're gonna continue in that series. But before I start, let me just talk a few minutes about the season we find ourselves in, in the church calendar. And that is the season of Advent, which some people call the moment before the moment. You see, life really does consist of different seasons, and there's a reason for this, because it gives rhythm to life. Um, spring happens, leads us into summer, but you can't have that without fall and winter, and there's a rhythm that happens. Some of us probably wish we could just skip the winter part. I get you sometimes, but, you know, there's a, different seasons in life kind of brings rhythm. And so this morning we continue in this season known as Advent, this particular season of the year where we anticipate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so for over hundreds and hundreds of years, just a long time, people have taken an entire month to prepare themselves for this birth. Kind of like putting themselves in the story so that they could uh, rediscover the wonder of what it would have been like to wait for Jesus' coming. I once heard a teacher say to me, Jesus, what good is it if he came 2,000 years ago if he doesn't continue to come now? And uh, what I got from that quote was that we cannot just look back at 2,000 years ago and expect Jesus' uh, presence then, but we could very much expect his presence even right now, and that we can meet him afresh now, and that we can know him now. And uh, we live with this anticipation of the coming birth and all that means for us even right now in the present. This isn't just some ancient truth that affected, you know, people 2,000 years ago. This affects you and me right now. Frederick Buchner, one of my favorite authors, said the extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. And so... The birth of Christ is an, ex is an extraordinary thing. I don't think any of us would deny that, but it's, only, it, it's matched by the anticipation of it as well, the waiting, everything leading up to it. And that extraordinary moment we call Advent, where we live in the moment before the moment. And so why is Advent so important? Well, I think it's important because through life's journeys, I think we encounter ways, unfortunately, where we get burned and bruised, and sometimes we feel betrayed, sometimes we feel knocked around where we find ourselves being let down by institutions and, and even relationships that have dissolved. And in all this, our hearts can kind of build up these layers of resistance, if we're not careful. And some of us in this process lose the ability, sometimes in this process, we lose this ability to anticipate things. And we can become a bit cynical and even jaded, where we get to the point where we're almost, you know, sometimes just expecting another letdown. And so Advent is like this season when we open ourselves up to God and we ask God to come into those places where our heart has lost the ability to be filled with wonder and anticipation. And we invite and we ask God to come into our hearts and to heal and to restore and to transform us in this season, Advent. And so let me talk a second just about that wonder. You know, that wonder that maybe you once had, maybe you 
Maybe you had it as a kid. Um, Remember the childhood wonder that we once had? You see, I love watching kids open a gift because there's still that anticipation and wonder in their faces. Not everything's become common. Christmas morning is awesome because I look at my daughters open their presents and there's just this, there's this wonder, there's this amazement, there's this, <gasps> right? Most of us open our gifts and, you know, if we see something we like, we're, we're delightfully surprised, it's great. But kids just have this way of having, having a wonder in them. Right now I'm going through an Advent devotional that kind of talks about this. Um, and the author of the devotional talked about how wonder is most accessible in new situations because we don't have a narrative about what's happening. You know, he, he uses an illustration. How many of us have ever traveled to a new city or a new country before? And there's this feeling that when you get off a train into a new place and you're greeted by all the new sights and sounds and architecture, um, it's easy to think to yourself, wow, this is the most beautiful city or place I've ever seen. I'm sure some of us have experienced that before. And then, you know, stay there for a week, and maybe a week later you might start thinking to yourself, wow, I'm kind of bored. You know, I kind of want to get back home soon while in the same city. And so what happened? Did the city change? No, city never changed. Maybe you did. Maybe you got familiar with everything. Maybe the wonder started to fade. Maybe the, the wonder went away. You see, an old teacher, Joseph Bottom, said, what Advent really is is a discipline. It's a way of forming anticipation. Because what can happen is that we lose the ability to be surprised, to be filled with wonder and awe, and to be genuinely anticipating and grateful. And so this might be why sometimes when we watch a kid open a present or something, or get amazed by something, it amazes us. And we just get lost in those moments, seeing them so exciting, so excited and just anticipating what's on the other side of that wrapping paper. You know, <laughs> I wonder perhaps if one of the reasons why that brings us so much joy is because in those moments we see something in them that we once had and that perhaps we lost over the years, that ability to, to have wonder and amazement. When was the last time you had that kind of excitement in your life? And so at Advent, we anticipate and we live with the expectation that Jesus has come and is going to come, and we invite him into the many areas of our lives that need his touch. Advent's a time where we open ourselves up to Christ. And so is there anything in your life that maybe during this Advent season it's time to open up to God and ask him to come into? This is what the season asks of us. Edward Hayes wrote this. He said, take time to be aware that in the very midst of our busy preparations for the celebration of Christ's birth in ancient Bethlehem, that Christ is reborn in the Bethlehems of our homes and daily lives. Take time, slow down. Be still, be awake to the divine mystery that looks so common and so ordinary, yet is wondrously present. I like that. Take time. Relax. Get into it. Don't make the season just about the busyness, but allow God to do something in your life during this season. You know, how many people in our culture, when you say, hey, December's coming, immediately think, oh, great, finally I'm going to have a time to relax and just slow down and just calm down and just start taking things easy a little bit. All is calm, all is bright, right? I think for, for many people, when they hear December's coming, they're thinking, well, let's just get through it. <laughs> it becomes a very busy season for us. We just take on a whole lot. And so Advent's a time where we focus in on Christ and invite him into our lives, things that we see in our hearts that we need to invite him into. 
And so make sure, take time, slow down during the season, be still, be awake to the Lord, who's wondrously present always in our lives, to anticipate all that he's done and all that he wants to continue to do in you. And so this morning, we're looking at the life of a teenage girl with Advent in mind named Mary, who's a model, I think, and an example of what faith lived out looks like. You see, one thing I noticed after only really knowing the Catholic Church growing up is that when I entered the Protestant Church, we didn't really talk about Mary a whole lot. You see, in the Catholic Church, we talked about, they talked about Mary all the time, and, and, and Mary was always brought up, and uh, it, it, she was someone you heard about all the time, and yet when I entered the Protestant Church, it was very silent. You, you, never, you, you didn't talk about Mary really a lot, and I wonder if maybe that was just a reaction to what was happening over on the other side. But we would do well to look at her life and really to be inspired today by her example. And so let's read in the scriptures, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's read to verse 38. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And so we're looking at a portion here that we call the Christmas story in the book of Luke. And I want to just give the backdrop right off the hop here, okay? Because right off the bat, we are seeing that this is, the, is about to become a moment of completion. Everything that God had promised in the Old Covenant, right? He's going to fulfill. God keeps his word. And God sends an angel to a teenage girl named Mary. Now, one thing that we quickly notice, and if you look back in history and whatnot, is that there's nothing necessarily significant on the outside of why God chose Mary. It doesn't say that she lived in a noble household. It doesn't say that there was anything about her that made her, uh, you know, just crazy attractive above other people. We see that when she prays and sings later on in the chapter that she keeps referring to herself as one who is humble. And she refers to God as one who lifts up the humble. So she had this in her heart. And God is about to use her and do something absolutely extraordinary through her life. And this seems to be a pattern that we see all throughout the scriptures, that God always seems to be doing all the great stuff through all the wrong people, at least wrong people from our perspective. 
He uses flawed people. He uses people that are ordinary, people that we wouldn't necessarily expect. You see, in our world, if we think about who God wants to use, we think about the talented people sometimes, and the people with all the giftings and, and whatnot, and yet God doesn't seem to think the way we do. He doesn't think the way we do. And in a lot of ways, I think that's an encouragement for us today. That maybe you've ever felt that you weren't holy enough or that you weren't good enough or that you weren't even talented enough for God to use you. Well, maybe you need to see who he often chose to do great things through in the scriptures and in history. He chose people with flaws. He used David, right? There were some great things about David's life. There were some not so great things about David's life. Think about Moses. Think about, you know, the Apostle Paul and where he came from. We talked about that a few weeks ago, a persecutor of the church, and yet Jesus chose him as his instrument to the Gentiles, right? You think about the disciples that Jesus picked. It's probably not the kind of pe the, the group that you and I would choose um, to build our team for success. They were so different. They were so flawed in their own ways. They all had something of baggage that they brought with them, and yet God in his plan wanted to use them and put them together. And God is about to choose this young girl from Nazareth. And anytime we see that word Nazareth in the scripture, we see that it's looked down upon, right? It's like this little place that nobody expected nothing to come from. It was some no-name little town. I remember the religious teachers even asked the question once, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You see, it was this little town that nobody really cared about, right? Nazareth. They don't have a Costco, and you know what? They're never getting one, okay? It was, it, was, it was that kind of place that nobody paid much attention to. And here God is about to do something absolutely extraordinary through some girl who in the eyes of the world is probably very ordinary. God's about to do something extraordinary through this teenage girl who probably in the eyes of the world is very ordinary. And God's about to do something incredible through her. And so we dare not put limits on who God can use and who he can't use because the scriptures will change our mindset on that time and time again. And so be encouraged by that today. If you've ever felt that God couldn't use you or that you've disqualified yourself from, from, from God's service or if you've never felt good enough or holy enough or spiritual enough, right? Know that that's far from the truth. And God uses so often the least expected people. And it's a work of his grace. And so let's look at a few teaching points that we can learn about in the life of Mary. I want to focus in on the word faith because I think what we're going to see here is Mary's faith and how it not only led her life, but how it caused her to do great things. And so the first point I want to make is this, is that faith isn't always neat and tidy. Faith isn't always neat and tidy. Many of us long for a faith that's just nice and neat and tidy and clean and you, can, you know what to expect and you're not inconvenienced and everything goes good. But in reality, the reality is, is that in, 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 in most cases, it's not always neat, right? We still face challenges. We still face things that are unexpected. You still face things that sometimes feel messy. You see, look at Mary's response to the angel in verse 29. When the angel greets her and gives her this greeting about how God, how she's found favor with God, look at her response. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that this might be. She was greatly troubled at his words. You see, Mary's immediate thought isn't, wow, this is going to be great. People are finally going to get to know the real me. 
I'm finally going to get my chance to shine, and people are never going to forget who Mary is. She's not thinking that way, is she? She's not thinking to herself, wow, like, this is going to make me famous. I'm going to be well-known. What a, what a place of position and honor I've been given. Is that her first thoughts upon encountering this angel? No. But the scripture tells us she's greatly troubled at the angel's words and wonders about the greeting. Because when you think about it, God is about to use her and do something great for her, but the whole situation is about to get really messy. I mean, what an amazing greeting and moment this divine annunciation is for Mary, but it's not just something that happens for her benefit, but it comes with a cost. I, I, I mean, imagine having this story to tell people, you know? Imagine having an angel greet you. It would be the kind of thing you'd pull out at dinner, right? And you, you'd just tell people about it. You, you, you'd go around and share about it. But this truly was no minor occurrence. And lots weighed on this. Author Scott Erickson talks about this moment, and he says this. He says, if I'm honest, I'm actually afraid of Revelation. All great stories come at a cost, and the cost of Revelation is that it's going to ask something of us. In any divine enunciation, you receive Revelation as a gift, yet at the same time you receive notice that all you, pl- you had planned is ending. It's all over. Everything will change. Most of all you. Everything's going to change. And so while this is such an honor to have this encounter with this angel, for Mary, she, she was greatly troubled because she knew that nothing from here on out would be the same. You see, think about it. Mary and Joseph had plans. They, 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 were, they were pledged to be married, and all of a sudden, everything in that plan is about to be rearranged. Because after this message is given to her by the angel, Mary recognizes that things are probably going to be difficult. Things are going to get challenging. Imagine the conversation she probably assumes that she's going to have to sit down with and have with her fiancé. And tell her about this moment. Like, you know, that's going to be an interesting talk to have, telling about this angel's visitation. You know, in six months, she's really going to start to show. And in six months, when she walks down the street, people in this culture, you know, where where things were different in those days, and engagement was important, and, you know, even sex outside of marriage was kind of more rare, you know, in in that culture, many are going to point at her and start saying, well, you know, there's that young girl who, you know, went and got herself, you know, pregnant out of marriage, and she had the audacity to get herself pregnant, and even more so, she had the audacity to blame God and say it was him. This is going to get messy. This is not going to be neat and tidy. You know, what was that going to sound like to people who she talks with? You know, things are going to get messy for Mary. I've always wondered at some of the preaching out there, you know, um, that you hear that that teaches that when you come to God, everything will be perfect, neat, tidy, problem-free. Anyone ever heard that before or experienced that kind of teaching before? Because in my experience, it's no, because sometimes the journey of faith can get messy. Sometimes the answers aren't easy. Sometimes we just need a faith that trusts despite it all. That even in the mess, God is very present. And so this revelation from Mary, this was about to change everything. And things weren't going to be all neat and tidy. Things weren't going to be all, you know, ordered as maybe they had hoped. But this revelation she received changes everything. 
for her, for Joseph, really for all the world. Which leads us to our next point, that faith sometimes involves cost. Faith sometimes has a cost to it. You see, Mary's situation models that perfectly for us. Being obedient and faithful to God and his word is about to become costly for her. And Mary had the maturity to know this. She knew that it was going to happen. Pastor Louis talked about this a few weeks ago when he talked about the Apostle Paul. That for him, things, things got difficult. And look at Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel says to her, you who are highly favored. You know, how many of you want favor with God? Anyone? How many of us want favor with God? I think most of us would say, yeah, sure. You know, I don't think anyone's going to be like, uh, no thanks. I'll cup of wrath here, please, right? You know, I think if I asked you the question today, how many of you want favor with God? Most of us would be like, yep, yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds great. Favor with God. Awesome. And the angel tells Mary, you found favor with God. But look at verse 29. Mary responds and is troubled. And she wonders at this greeting because she has the maturity to know that this revelation of favor on her life is going to cost her something. Mary is wise enough to know that favor with God doesn't necessarily mean favors from God. There's a difference. And we live in a culture, I think, sometimes that wars against that very idea because we live in a culture of entitlement, I can say. One that we want things to be quick and easy. We live in a convenient, oriented society. And, the th- and things here for Mary are about to be anything but convenient. They're about to be anything but convenient for her. You know, think about how much we value fast, quick, and easy. You know, there's different examples that we see. You know, we, we have drive throughs We want our food fast. We want our coffee fast, right? We want things convenient. You know, we go into the grocery store, and if the lineup's too long, we want self-checkout. We want to be able just to get out of there, you know, because sparing four minutes in our life is just, you know, how could we possibly do it? How can we possibly give up that time? You know, our phones, we just talk to them now. We don't even have time to even type into them, Right? Because we want things fast, we want things easy. In, in our house, we have speakers set up all over the house, and I could just, you know, hey Alexa, play this, or hey Alexa, ask a question, and I get information delivered right to me. Because we want things like that. It's convenient, it's fast. Technology has taught us not to wait, but to get things instantly. I was even walking around the church the other day, and we have a bunch of Christmas trees, uh, you know, kind of decorated. You know, thanks so much to Sharon Schoenfeld and her team for putting that all together. It looks beautiful. But, I, you know, I, I, every now and then I like the lights on, right? I love Christmas lights. So, you know, I went around plugging in the trees and I kept thinking to myself, oh, I got to buy those things we have at home. Those little green cords that have that little red button where I don't have to necessarily take four seconds and plug the tree in, but I could just step on it and all of a sudden the tree lights up, you know, because, you know, that four seconds, you know, with five trees makes 20 seconds. And if we lose 20 seconds, my gosh, right? I hope I'm sounding ridiculous to you right now because it is kind of ridiculous right? (laughs) And yet this is a society that we live in. Everything fast, everything quick, everything convenient. And you know, I lead the pack with that. I won't lie to you. That convenience, man, it gets in you. You just, you want it, you hope for it, right? And I'm not necessarily ranting, you know, that all these things are bad things because um, I enjoy the convenience of them as well sometimes. But here's where the problem happens. A problem occurs 
when we take that attitude that we have towards these kind of things and we try to apply them to life and faith. Because it just doesn't work that way. And we see very quickly how unrealistic it is and how unrealistic it becomes. Do you want favor with God? Are you sure? Because what I learned from this story is that favor with God isn't always convenient. Favor with God is not the same thing as favors from God. There's a difference. You see, I've been around people before who just boil favor with God down to getting a deal at the store or, or finding the best parking lot, right? When you go shopping or something like that. There's favor, there's favor, you know, which of course, you know, raises all sorts of questions about Christians who don't get good parking spots, right? <laughs> or, or who can't find deals, right? And we can't simplify it like that. You see, Mary knew that things were suddenly going to be very inconvenient. And she'd found favor with God. And I'm sure that she and Joseph had already made their plans, already had their ideals. In her mind at this moment, you know, who is to say that Joseph wouldn't question her on all this? It was going to be troublesome. You know, they'd have to move. They'd even have to hide if you read the rest of the Christmas story. This was not going to be the most convenient moment, but at the end of the day, Mary knew that God had put favor on her life. And he had chosen to use her to deliver his son to the world. And she was willing to count the cost and go ahead with the plan so that God's will would be done and that he would be glorified. And I marvel at her faith. I really do. I really do. You know, I only wish my faith, you know, could even be a fraction of that, right, sometimes. You know, thankfully God's working on all of us, though. But what an example of faith we see in Mary's life. You see, her situation wasn't neat and tidy. Things got messy, and she counts the cost because she knew that God was worthy, that God was going to get praise, that God had a plan, that God was going to use her in this plan. And it, 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 all of a sudden, it wasn't about her. It wasn't about her wishes. It was really all about him and what he wanted. And so this comes back to us, I think, that we as well should also, in faith, each day, begin to trust God more and more. That's our third point. Faith really involves trusting God. You see, Mary models this for us. At the end of the day, she wasn't after her own glory, but she was after the glory of God, that he'd be lifted up, that he'd be praised in the earth. And please hear me this today, okay? Please hear me as I speak this. This, this message isn't about bring on the pain or the inconvenience. I'm not saying that at all, okay? Sometimes God's favor in certain situations, you know, might make things easier, and you will glorify him in those moments as well. But other times, it may require us to put him and his desires before our own. And are we okay with that? Are we good with that? You know, we talk lots in the Western church about asking Jesus into our hearts, and that's good, but we can't at all neglect his heart as well. Are we willing to be involved in what he's doing and in what he desires and what he wants and what his heart is for this world around us? You see, in all of this life-changing news, Mary recognizes that she can indeed trust God. She can trust him. And she sings a song about it all. And verse 38, the last verse that we read today, 
I think is one of the most inspiring verses in all of Scripture in how she responds to God's call in her life here. Let's read it. Verse 38 says, well, we'll start at verse 37, just to give you a little bit of context. It says, For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Some translations say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And Mary, through her obedience and willingness to follow God's perfect will in her life, is really an example and an encouragement to us all of what faith in action really looks like. In her, we see a reflection of, of, of living faith and just, you know, <laughs> radical obedience to God's plans and desires. And so as we begin this season that I talked about earlier, known as Advent, may we also be people who pl- place our faith in Jesus Christ, who can be trusted and who does desire to use us in his plans. May we recognize, even when things seem messy, that he is still there for us. Because faith in Christ isn't just throwing faith out there on some, something that sinks, but it's putting our faith on solid foundation, on the foundation of Christ and the foundation of his word and what he desires. You see, God did an extraordinary thing through Mary's life. And really what happened there in that story is he used Mary to deliver Jesus to the world, right? And through her, you know, the Christ child was born. And that's who we celebrate in this holiday season. And maybe not in a literal sense, maybe not in that exact sense, but as Christians, I I, I believe God uses us as well to to also reveal Jesus to the world. Not, not, not in that exact way, of course, but you know, in a way of just talking about our stories and talking about him and talking about who he is and just allowing people to see who he is and that we love him and that we worship him and how he's changed our hearts and lives. Maybe in this season, maybe it's an opportunity for you to talk about Christ with someone, talk about what he's done. Allow someone else's eyes to see the, the Jesus who's changed your life. And that Christ would be revealed to the world even through your testimony in this season. And so the story of Mary really is a story of faith. It's a faith that that thrives even when things aren't neat and tidy. It's a faith that counts the cost. It's a faith that recognizes that, you know, favor with God doesn't always mean favors from God. But it's also a faith that puts their trust wholeheartedly in God, in Jesus, and what he wants. And so may that encourage us today. Let me pray for us today. Father, I just thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the story. I thank you for just the story that can inspire us to follow you all the more. In this season known as Advent, I pray that we would find rest in you, that we would take time to slow down, and that we would open up our heart in those places, God, that we need your touch. We come before you. We ask that you would just move in our lives. And we just thank you for the story of Mary today. We thank you, Lord that her faith, Lord God, can inspire us, Lord. For those of us who are experiencing things today, Lord God, that don't feel nice and tidy and that maybe feel challenging, God, I just pray you would just strengthen and equip and help us in that. Help us to focus on you. Help us to keep our eyes on you, God. And help us each day, Lord, to know that we can trust you and that we can walk after you. And help us to obey you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.